Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Welcome once again to Fresh Hop Cinema, a podcast about craft beer and film. My name is Max Minardi. My name is Johnny Summers. What is happening? We are a Chico-based podcast, and if you've never heard us before, we talk about two craft beers and one movie each and every week, putting out episodes every single Monday. Uh, I want to throw out a quick disclaimer. It is mid-April here in Chico, California, and spring is springing aggressively, so I can speak for Johnny at the moment and probably me uh, in the next few weeks, but I have an allergy pill in my system now, but... You are maybe a little bit sniffly. Yeah, I might sneeze because spring has sprung, most definitely. Fair. Um, so let's jump in. Again, if you've never heard it, we we do cover one movie. It's it's a new movie almost every week. In this case, it's it's Pet Cemetery. We aren't going to spoil it until the end of the show in a segment we call The Danger Zone. So if you haven't had a chance to catch up with that film, it's out in theaters now. Uh, once we get to that portion of the show, feel free to pause the podcast, see the movie, and come back and enjoy the fun with us. Uh, once we get to the dangerous danger zone. That's right. It's dangerous. Johnny, if people want to follow us on the internet, where can they find us? Housekeeping wise, yes. At Fresh Hop Cinema on Instagram, Twitter, the Facebook, Untapped, and Letterboxd. The last two are for beer and movies, respectively. Letterboxd is cool because we write reviews and log movies we want to see that you're going to see. If you're not familiar with that app, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and then Untapped, if you're not familiar, it's a beer logging process. Kind of the same idea mm-hmm. as, as Letterboxd. Take pictures of beers, write reviews, all that fun stuff. Sure. So we're all on there. Uh, most importantly, our online home officially is freshhopcinema.com. Yeah, you can find, uh, again, movie reviews there, beer reviews, old episodes, upcoming things that we don't maybe talk about on the show because we don't have them planned. But then we sit down to the website. And it's very official. You can also write us there. Um, Like you heard at the beginning of the show, we have our Patreon thing set up. So if you want to sign up for Patreon, there's a link for that on the website. Uh, Again, that's freshhopcinema.com. One last little thing is we've had people over the past, I don't know, month and a half, maybe posting on their Instagram stories or Facebook stories where they listen. So screenshot what you're listening on, post it, tag us, and we'll repost it to all of our followers. And we'll all be one slightly larger little family. And it's a lot of fun for everybody. Help us out. So let's dive in. We have our very first beer of the afternoon. Uh, still afternoon, right? Yes. Counts. Uh, it's from Modern Times Beer out of San Diego. It's called Booming Rollers. Did you say San Diego? San Diego. You know that's German, right? Sure. So this is a 6.8% IPA. It's seasonally released from Modern Times, usually between March and May. Uh, we're in April, so I think this came out just, just like, what do you think, like a week and a half ago? Something like that, yeah. More or less. I saw it getting delivered in Chico within the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's got a, an average rating of 3.9 out of about 2,000 on Untapped. Again, that's where you can find all sorts of reviews, and, and we tend to use that as sort of a, a baseline for what people are thinking about this beer. Johnny, what does Modern Times say on their website about this? So, Modern Times says, Booming Rollers is a showcase for the juicy awesomeness of Citra Hops. These new wave American hops impart a remarkable aroma and flavor, which we've amplified with the dark stone fruit character of New Zealand grown Motueka hops. Some centennial is thrown in to balance the tropical fruit party and the malt body is just assertive enough to support booming rollers, snappy bitterness. It's a party in your mouth. And all the beautiful people are invited. Almost, almost two anchorman references. Yeah. Party in your pants, party in your mouth. Yep. San Diego. San Diego. Um, so I've never had this before. I know it comes out. I think they've been doing it for for many years now, but it's only ever available for a few months. And I know you've had it a bunch. Um, so really quickly, I wanted to say that this is available pretty readily in Chico right now. I got it at Spike's Bottle Shop. It was a four pack. It was like 15 bucks, I think. Something like that. Um, but what, let's see, two questions, I guess. Yeah. Number one is, 
when you've had this in the past, what have you tasted and have you liked it? I guess that's part one. And then mm-hmm. part two is what do you expect this time around? And uh, I'd like to know how that how that actually manifests after you've tasted it. Yeah, I think what in the past I've experienced this as one of modern times more balanced and approachable IPAs with a really nice fruity body, um, some juiciness, but not an over-the-top juiciness. It's balanced really well with the hops and the malt. Uh, this beer really meshes together. All the parts work well, and it is just super satisfying. I remember really liking it. It's crushable and drinkable, and I look forward to it coming out every year. Uh, and in answer to your second question, I would say I would just expect a lot more of the same. Okay, so this one, this particular can we're drinking was canned on February 27th. So we've got about a month and a half here. Uh, by all accounts, this should still be as it was when it was produced. It's pretty fresh to death. Yeah, you've tasted it. Is it as good as you remember, or is it good at all? Is it, it great? Wow. Well, what have you? So there's a wide spectrum <laughs> yeah. we're working with. It is pretty close to what I remember. I think I had a weird taste in my mouth the first sip I had, but drinking more of this beer. It is just as good as I remember. You get a nice balance. It's not too hoppy. It's not too sweet. It's not too juicy. Um, but it gives you all the punch. I like that they described it as snappy bitterness. Yeah. Because it's really what it is. It's just kind of like, bam, wah, there it is. I like it. It's like getting chopped in the face with a hop ninja. Sure. It, no, it's, it's really like it's weirdly dry. I wasn't expecting that. Like It, it is hoppy, but um, not so much that it's like wrecking your palate. It's, it's like a really clean, dry, hoppy beard. Yeah. And I, I think it's really nice for this for this time of year. It's maybe why they release it. Uh, <laughs> this time of year? What? Well, well played, modern times. Exactly. I see. Well, it's, you know, Sierra Nevada just came out with Summerfest. Oh, is that already out again? And it's spring. Yeah. Like spring just sprang. Sure. We talked about it. Uh, I didn't know that. But... Remind me to talk about that when we get into our Sierra Nevada beer, about why Sierra Nevada's land so early in Butte County. I would love to know that. I'll jot it down. I will let you know. So uh, this beer is really delivering on what I'd had in the past. I really dig it. I think it's great, like you said, for this time of year. I'm betting this would be just as good, if not better, when the weather gets up, you know, in the 80s and it's sunny. This is a great yard work beer floating down the river. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. This is a great barbecue beer. I think it should be emphasized that this does not drink like a 6.8. Every now and again, we'll do beers on the show that if you had given it to me blind, I would say I would way undershoot what the ABV is. Sure. This drinks more like a 4 or 5 or 5% beer. I could see that. And yeah, the it's... fact that it's almost 7 is is kind of blowing my mind. So if, this is also good if you're going for like bang for buck. And it comes in the 16-ounce can, right. which is the ideal drinking vessel. Yeah, it's great. Um, that said, we are drinking it out of our usual tulip glasses, but... I can speak as somebody who's had one out of the can uh, right before we started the show, mm-hmm. actually. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's a good way to drink them. I came in, I saw him drinking it out of the can. He's like, like wait, this is for the show, right? I immediately <laughs> brought you a pint glass. I'm like, well, don't drink yeah. beer. I, can't. Yeah. I like it. It's better. You have to dissipate. So booming rollers, man. Uh, I think we should go around and maybe give it a rating. What do you think? I think so, too. So on the show, we do, what, one through ten? Yeah, let's take you tried I to tried change, to change it. it. You I tried know. to change it. Just like you try to add segments, you're just you're the wild card. You got to change it up every now and then. I'm again. supposed to be the unpredictable one. That's true. You're not the cayenne pepper, sir. If anything, you, you are. You called s- yourself that. Let's just go on record. It's like there's no like like podcast credit came in. He's like, ah, this Wooskman is the cayenne pepper, and you're like, I am now that you're like I'm the cayenne, and now you just say it all the time. <laughs> yes, I do. Which is great. Well, you or you wrote it on the website. Yeah. So it's it's in, your, it's in your bio. Yeah, that's fine. It's not like I gave myself a nickname. Sure. It's not that big of a toolbox. All this to say, yes, we're gonna stick with an out of ten rating, which is fairly subjective. It's just it's just our taste in beer. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I'm gonna let you rate this one first because I think I know pretty much. It's it's interesting because there's such a wide world of single hop clear IPA or not single hop but single IPAs. Yeah, sure. There's so many out there. 
this one ranks pretty high amongst them for me. Okay, so I'm I'm thinking. I mean, I agree with you. It is it's very good, and for for this time of year especially, I'm almost thinking that though if I had had this at a different time of year, um, it might not be as great. I think it's the fact that it is finally sunny out for the first time in a couple mm-hmm. of weeks. Like I'm jumping a little bit higher, so I'm trying to step back and just be a little bit more objective. Um, and I do think that as I'm drinking it, some of the malty characteristics are coming out a little bit more. And it's a little syrupy almost. Yeah, and and there's just not the the body in this beer to back that up. So I, I think I'm gonna go with a seven point five. Still Get out. Is that what you're in? That's what to? I was gonna put. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go seven five. Um, I, it's a super solid beer. Um, and at essentially like three fifty a pint, it's a very good deal. We're doing so many of these beers. It's like anything over an eight feels like yeah. tremendous. Sure. Like I'm not just handing out eights and nines anymore. You know, we were we're really fine tuning our our rating method, and there's a lot of single IPAs out that are seasonal that I enjoy more than this right now. Okay. So it takes it down a couple notches. Yeah, sure. I mean, it does it. have a little bit of a weird finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, it leaves a good bitterness in your mouth, but it does have like a weird viscosity on the finish. Yeah, it's also maybe worth noting, or or at least maybe not noting, but like factoring this in that, um, you know, we've constantly talked about sort of a, a craft beer market inundated with, with New England style hazy beers. Yes. Um, and the fact that, feels like especially modern times, puts out consistently good um, West Coast IPAs. Yes. Um, and it is very refreshing to have this very solid beer mm-hmm. come out. And, and I, I think the same will be true of the Sierra Nevada we drink later. Like just a nice kind of palate cleansing mm-hmm. approach to it. This is a beer I would drink with food. Uh, I would really like to pair this with some like spicy chicken tacos or something like that. Yeah. Um, for me, this beer is a 7-9. All right. Just just on the cusp of greatness. Yeah. All right. It's, it's right there. Um and honestly, it would just depend if you're at like a craft beer bar and there's other single IPAs, that'd be a tough call. Yeah, I'd have to see what the other ones were, but like anytime this is on the board, it's going to be in the running for me. So I think that qualifies it. It's not a dead runaway. Like some beers where you'll say, if this is on the board at a craft beer bar, I'm ordering it. Sure. Period. No matter what. That's getting into the eight, five territory nines up there. But the fact that it's, it's a strong favorite to be in the top two. Of like a five or six IPA list. Totally. So, yeah, seven, nine for me. All right, sweet. Uh, seven, five for me. Again, that's Booming Rollers from Modern Times. We're going to move into a segment called Flick Picks. If you've never heard before, um, Johnny and I both watch movies a lot, and we can't always fit them into our full episodes. So we take a little bit of a segment uh, and talk about some movies we've seen this week. It's like um, a bonus movie yeah. in this podcast. And it's exciting. This particular week, uh, two two movies came out at exactly the same time one is pet cemetery and one is shazam and i wanted to spend a minute talking about shazam it's a dc superhero film and we're gonna play you the trailer and then we will come right back and talk about it i'm gonna say one thing and it's got layers but man you have been caping for this movie so hard i like all that yeah Uh, you've been so hard in the paint for this movie yeah i'm really happy you get to talk about it let's check out that trailer we'll be right back with shazam you've run from foster homes in six counties I can take care of myself. When you're 18, give these people a chance, because that's what they're giving you. This is Billy Batson. Make sure you make him feel at home. They seem nice, but don't buy it. It gets real Game of Thrones around here. Dude, just messing around. You look at me and you're like, why so dark? You're a disabled foster kid. You've got it all. If you could have one superpower, what would you pick? Everybody chooses flight. You know why? 
So they can fly away from this conversation? No, because heroes fly. What, you need your fake family to stand up for you? Hey. Man, sorry about that. Go, go, go! Grab it! Get out the way! Bailey Batson. I choose you as champion. Hello? Say my name so my powers may flow through you. But I don't know your name, sir. Shazam. Wait, for real? Say it! Okay! Shazam? All right, so that's that's Shazam. And Shazam is the newest uh, superhero movie on the market in a market that is flooded with superhero movies. shazam a lama ding dong We should say off the bat, Johnny, you didn't have a chance to see this. Um, Nor the desire. Sure. I did. I'm, I've been, you know, I've been had high hopes for DC, um, and I think they are at their best when they're doing these more uh, uh, either humorish or like human. Did you just make up a word? Yeah, humorish. Humorish. Humor, humor. What's the definition of humorish, it's sir? Like, it's like... Funny, kind of. Is it like funny adjacent? Yeah. Okay. So like like human comedies also. Oh, you mean like Aquaman? No. But Shazam is cool. Shazam and Wonder Woman, I think, are two of DC's best movies ever. You're through. Okay, wow. Uh, because the other ones just aren't good. <laughs> like the other ones are like... So are these two of the best crummy movies? No. Like, you think Wonder Woman's crummy? No. It's not great. Wonder Woman's very good. It's pretty good. Let me get through this real fast. Yeah. Anyways, this is a film directed by David F. Sandberg. And and if you don't know anything about Shazam, uh, or maybe you've heard of Captain Marvel from the comics, that's what Shazam was called. But obviously there's a problem there because of Marvel movies. Yeah, they should have a, a Marvel guy named Captain DC. Right. So there's a rebranding, and he's now Shazam. And Shazam is played by Zachary Levi. And if you know nothing of this, basically when this kid says the word Shazam, he gets transformed into the superhero. Like I was going to say super, super big dude, but yeah, uh, big dude. He can fly. He's very strong. He's immune to bullets and basically damage and stuff. So it's basically a story. The kid, the kid version of him is played by Asher Angel. His name is Billy Batson, and then he turns into Shazam when he needs to do super stuff. He's a foster kid. That's important too because he's a he needs an origin here. I think we got that from the trailer. Yeah, right. Um, anyways, that's played by uh, his. His name is Freddie. His foster brother. Okay. Uh, played by Jack Dylan Grazer. He was the hypochondriac in the It adaptation last year. Okay. Um, Mark Strong kind of comes in as the bad guy. Um, the other person I've known is Jimon Hunsu. He played. He was the sort of um, wizard speaking. They're like, say my name and whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that dude's great too. He's Been great. In everything. It took me a minute to recognize him in this oh, too. Yeah? Cause he's like covered in like a huge beard and like wrapped up in, in these robes and whatever. I could tell from his voice, dude. Yeah. He's got such a distinct mm-hmm. voice. So this movie is, I think good, not great. Okay. Is what I was going to get. And at. It's humorish and it's humorish. Um, there's a lot of stuff of, about sort of Shazam finding his confidence as a hero. He's got some abandonment issues. His mother, well, he got separated from his mom when he was a kid at the carnival and he was kind of into the foster system since then. Mm-hmm. So we have to kind of learn with him, um, you know, his value in life and, and what's most important. A lot of his struggle comes from like wanting to be with his birth mother and trying to find her um, while surrounded by people who care about him and never seeing that they're good enough and whatever. Okay. Um, and then enter sort of this villain character. Um, who is not by any definition um, a well-developed or uh, very 
deep character. He's just a bad guy yeah. that was never good enough for his dad and needs to prove to the world why he's not, you know, whatever, why he couldn't be the hero, essentially. Um, but I think where this movie does shine is some of the the jokey stuff and some of the the flipping of superhero tropes. And it does some of those really well. There's a particular scene where there's a face-off between uh, the villain and Shazam, and they're like floating above a city, and and you get this close up of Mark Strong's face, like delivering a villain speech, where he's like, "I will, I will, I don't know." He says like, I "Doing will, that villain thing, yeah, like I'll destroy the city, and you'll weep as the ashes of your friends and family rain from above, and I will laugh and and poop, poop on their graves, and speed away in <laughs> like, my Jaguar." Yeah, it's so like mid mid speech. Um, it cuts back to to Shazam floating in the sky, and they're like they're like seventy five yards apart, and he's just like, "What?" I can't hear and like you hear his voice like I don't know what you're saying like I can't and it cuts back and forth like on the on paper like way too many times like it would be old but it works really well yeah and it's so funny and I think I think that's some of the strengths here is like there's those moments peppered in um and just kind of like the overall general sort of um arc is is really refreshing it's not so dark as like Batman versus Superman or any of those Batman movies like was it as cookie gutters, like say, like a Marvel movie. You mean plot wise? Yeah, yeah, for well, sure. You, you're talking story arc. Yes, it's not dark, obviously. Okay, no. but is it is it as formulaic as a lot of the uh, superhero movies that we've been experiencing? Which is pretty much why I wasn't stoked to see it because they all just go down the list of boxes to check. How do you think it compares to a lot of the movies coming out right now? There were no surprises. There was nothing. Okay. And I think that was fine. Like I didn't necessarily need that from this. I think, I think that the things that I wanted were a solid character. I could get behind Zachary Levi is very good at playing Shazam. He's, he's like cocky and funny and weird. Cause um, you know, it, he's like a 12 or a 15 year old inside, but kind of like um, a Tom Hanks, big thing happening. Yeah. And I, I did, I don't know if I want to call it a mistake. I, I listened to the podcast pop culture happy hour about this. And I, Glenn Weldon, one of their, one of their co-hosts pointed out that there's not really a lot of similarities between the kid actor and Zachary Levi. Mm. Um, it's like, it's not like you're watching a grown up version of that kid. They're very different. Yeah. Um, and, and that kind of bugged me the whole way through. Cause it's not like, um, like he's way funnier and way more conf- confident is maybe an easy giveaway because he has superpowers, but just clearly not the same yeah. personality. So it almost took away from sort of the, the emotional arc of what he was going through. It's not like Clark Kent turning into Superman, right? Where it's the same person in right. a costume, right? That makes sense. And it's gotta be a difficult thing to overcome having such an age gap mm. and also like just having, you want him to look the same, kind of act the same. Yeah. Sure. You know what I mean, I could see that as being a problem. Or at least like, like, cause the kid, um, Asher Angel is like, is very, uh, very much like a sulky sort of teen and, and mm-hmm. mad about his mom and mad at the world. I'm mean, like kind of cracks jokes, but not really. And then it's like Zachary Levi and he's like joking left and right. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a superhero. Oh, like he says Shazam and turns into Deadpool. Pretty much. And, okay. it, and like that part doesn't necessarily translate super well, but all right. It, it worked fine. Okay. Fine enough. So getting back to what I was asking, um, in the plethora, nay, multitude. Sure. Multiverse. Yeah. I of, I'm, oh, I'm so tired of superhero movies. I get that. Um, you said there are no surprises and you were okay with that. Yeah. Which I find to be an interesting statement because we go to movies to be surprised. Um, I want to know your motivation for seeing this movie. Uh, was it simply predictable entertainment? So I've actually said in the past that I'm also pretty burnt out on superhero movies, which I don't think is untrue. Yet, without fail, every time one comes out and we're going to 
even think about doing it on the podcast, I get very excited. Like I'm very excited for Avengers Endgame. Not. And yeah, I don't like, I don't really care about that movie. Once I see most of these, I don't care to see them again. Yeah. Um, so I think part of it is just the hype surrounding it. Like, cool, like another DC movie. Maybe this one will be better. I think that's a big thing for the DC ones. I'm like, there's a chance this can be a decent movie. So you're expecting predictability with like a heavy dose of hope? Yeah, and humor, hope, which is like essentially a superhero MO, humor and hope. That keeps superhero movies alive forever. There you go. Clearly. All right. Um, so no, I didn't I didn't mind it. The predictability. Okay. That's what I was trying to avoid and in, in not mm-hmm. having much of a desire to see it. So my next question is, is this something you'd recommend? Uh, you know, I think it depends on the reason you'd watch it. If if like you're at home and this will uh, undoubtedly eventually come to Netflix. Nope. And- I want a blanket. Would you recommend this movie? That's it's I would love to give you a blanket, but I think it's too complicated. Like, don't put this on if you're looking to fulfill your cinephile desires. But if you have friends over and you put on a movie in the background, yeah, this is perfect for that. It's so a great, if, like but it's in the background, you're not like really watching no, it. No, this isn't a movie to sit down and really watch necessarily. Okay. Um, but that said, like I watched it at one of those theaters with the reclining chairs and the awesome sound. And like so in the right circumstances, I think this is a fine movie to watch. Safe to say solid popcorn action adventure same reason if i was just gonna be a complete dingus one night and put on like the newest fast and furious movie totally like i know there's gonna be car crash crashes Mm -hmm. crashes yeah sure (laughs) and chases and explosions and vin diesel vin dieseling i guess i guess the only uh, difference there or at least the big one that jumps to mind is sort of the um the appeal to a younger demographic here i think i think anytime there's a movie that does relatively well establish sort of a, a message to its viewers. Um, I can get behind it a little bit more. Whereas like a fast and furious movie, just like fast cars and hot babes are cool Yeah. here. It's like you have people around you that love you, appreciate them. And, and you're already as good as you need to be. Just be yourself. That kind of stuff is really cool to me. So I think maybe you're not, uh, though. maybe you could be better. Yeah. This is why I need Shazam and not you in my life. <laughs> Anyways, that's, that's my fair. thoughts on Shazam. All right. I uh, have one last question oh, sure. before you rate this movie. Sure. Because uh, you were going to do one out of five for your flick picks, because I know you want to do a one out of five because it matches with your letterbox. Yeah, sure. So I'm going to let you have your five star rating system, but just for your flick picks. Deal. It's not uh, at all confusing. Yeah. For me. No. I okay. have, but you can just copy your letterbox score. Sure. It's easy. Sure. I do have one last question. Do you know what Shazam stands for? Um, do you, oh, it's an acronym, right? Yep. Um, yeah, I looked, I didn't look it up. I, I read it somewhere. Um, it's really cool. So and, and no, I don't. Okay. Please tell me. Yeah, I'm just going to read it, and then you're going to rate the movie, because I think it's neat. Shazam stands for S, the wisdom of Solomon. H, the strength of Hercules. A, the stamina of Atlas, including his invulnerability. Z, the the power of Zeus, including his ability to summon thunderbolts. A, the courage of Achilles. Nice. That's right. Wait. Yep. And M, the speed of Mercury, (laughs) including flight. Okay. Uh, that, even though those were great, do not change my rating of a three star out of five. Okay. It's fine. Yeah. Put it on if you have time and you want to, you know, enjoy, if you, if you enjoy superhero movies and you're especially somebody who's like pulling for DC to do better stuff, absolutely watch this. Or just watch Wonder Woman again. Or do that. Yeah. Uh, we're going to jump to a break. We're going to come back and talk about. We're going to what? Jump to a break? I thought you said we're going to nup to a break. No. We're going to. You're just making up words today, bro. We're going to jump to a break and come back and talk about Pet Cemetery again. Yes. No spoilers just yet. So if you haven't seen it, you're in the clear. Um, but we are going to tell you our thoughts. So if you want to go into that movie completely blind, go see it and then come back. Yeah. Or just listen to the podcast and trust us. Yeah. Do that, actually. Yeah. Okay, we'll be Stop right telling people to turn the show off. <laughs> Never turn it off. Sleep with us on in Whoa. your ears. We got to go. We'll be right back.
Johnny, I've been out there digging in a graveyard for hours, and I am so hungry. You need to stop burying your pets in the woods, dude. No, it's where we've been doing it in this town for generations. Where can I go get to buy to eat, though? I am so hungry. Yeah, you can go over to the Handlebar because they've got delicious food, great craft beer, and excellent happy hour pricing. Uh, You're going to need to wash all of the dirt and mud off yourself, though. Sure, that's the Handlebar at 2070 20th Street here in Chico. Same one and exactly correct. Wait, wait, wait. The one with a a happy hour? Exactly. Seven days a week? Yeah, you're going to get a dollar off every single craft beer from 2 to 6 p.m. and you're going to get half off bottles of wine which is just crazy pants that is crazy pants i'm just gonna i'm gonna bury one more cat and then i'm gonna head down to the handlebar go down there get yourself some dinner get yourself a beer it will bring you back to life in the woods today L.A. discovered a charming little landmark. The Pet cemetery. Place to bury our pets and remember them. Might seem scary, but it's not. Perfectly natural. Just like dying is natural. Whole town's been using this place for generations. Folks make a kind of ritual out of it. not some campfire story. Saw these in the trees up there. They're warnings. The local tribes carved them before they fled. They fear that place. There's something up there. Something that dates way back. Those woods belong to something else. Dr. Lewis Creed and his wife, Rachel, relocate from Boston to rural Maine with their two young children. Amazingly, both of them lose their Boston accents. The couple soon discover, I added that line myself. What? It stuck Did out you? To me. <laughs> uh, the couple soon discover a mysterious burial ground hidden deep in the woods near their new home. Uh, I'm going to skip this next sentence. Um, there is a chain reaction of perilous things and there's evil and horror. Um, if you've seen a trailer for this movie, there's a chance that a lot of it's been spoiled for you, yeah. but we're going to just operate here on the off chance that you haven't. Yep. So I skipped some of that summary. We, we cut off a bunch of the trailer cause I think one of the strengths that I would have enjoyed having given to me in this movie would be the plot twists. Honestly, that was one of the things I enjoyed cause I went in fairly blind. Yeah. Okay. I saw maybe one teaser poster. I don't even think I really saw a trailer for this. Oh, movie. really? Yeah. That's fantastic. You know man. me. I love going into movies blind. Yeah, just like seems. So this is um, it's a movie. Like we said at the beginning of the episode, it was based on a Stephen King novel uh, called Pet Cemetery. It's first adapted in 1989. That was the original film. Right, and this one is more or less a remake of that. Though there are some significant plot changes that have been made. So um, if you have seen the first movie or have read the book, you'll mostly see these things coming. But if you haven't seen or read those things. Um, or somehow missed a trailer like Johnny did, um, I think there's probably some pretty good opportunities for this to be a good, scary movie. Yeah, I went into it not really vividly remembering either the book, which I read a long time ago, Mm -hmm. like high school, or um, much of the first movie. Like I saw it once a long time ago, but it was years and years before you and I were together watching movies as critically as we are now, so... I am not your source of information on like what's different from that one to this one. Right. And I think I, I looked up um, just some general synopses of the first movie, and maybe we'll get into some of the differences later in the danger zone. But for now, I wanted to say. No maybes. Sure. 
We will. We'll get it right. Deal. Oh, yeah. It stars Jason Clark as Lewis. He is the doctor of the family. He plays, um, I, you know, he worked in the ER, I think it's sort of hinted at. Yeah. Um, and when they move out to Boston, I think he takes up at a uh, on a college campus, yeah. essentially. He's the the doctor there. Which I didn't know colleges had doctors. I didn't either. I, I didn't. Well, I know that, like, Chico State had a has, like, the University Health Center. I just assumed it was, like, all volunteers. I don't yeah. Know, just students. I was like, trying, like a I don't guy know, with a Band-Aid and herpes. some Pedialyte. Just go. Herpes? I don't know. Whoa. It's a college. That's a very college-specific STDs in general, it yeah. seems. Um, at least that's what people talk about. Uh, one in three, they say. So, like, I know a guy that Amy, told me. <laughs> Amy Siemens plays Rachel Lewis's wife. John Lithgow plays, uh, you know, Towny, an old fellow that lives in the woods. His name is Judd. He lives next door. They live in the woods. Yeah, but it's not like crazy. You're right, you're right. You make it sound like he lives in a shack. That's true. They you all can kind see of see their front porches. That's true. But they're like right on the border of the town. Yeah. By these woods. Yeah. Um, and then the other person I wanted to mention is Jate Lawrence. She plays Ellie, uh, the daughter. Yeah. Fair enough. Yep. So this is rated R. It's a horror movie. Mm-hmm. It's an hour and 40 minutes long, give or take. It has made uh, about $10 or $30 million, give or take. That's yeah. just domestically. As of April 10th. Correct. I don't have the uh, international money in front of me, but okay. uh, more. It's made more than oh, that. Yes, more. <laughs> um, and its production budget was only $21 million, so it's doing okay for itself. Yeah. Um, I suppose I want to start off the way we usually do. What did you think about this? How was your viewing experience? Um. And just general kind of takeaways without giving anything away. Yeah, my viewing experience was good. It was really good. It was me and three other people. All right. Just how I like to see movies. Sure. Except for the three other people. If they sure. weren't there, it would have been perfect. Because you know, this, I don't know, man. This is a scary movie. I don't like seeing scary movies alone in like open, closed, Dude, dark rooms. To be fair. Freaks me out. To be fair. To be I fair. got freaked out when I saw Apollo 11 by myself. Oh, sure. I told you about that. If you listen back to our Apollo 11 episode, I was in a theater by myself. And I kept hearing noises behind oh, me. That's and right. it was it's yeah. a space movie. So imagine seeing this in a theater by yourself. Worse. Just like, ah. Yeah, like no. at least have somebody there to be like, you hearing this, man? Yeah, like, do you hear? <laughs> but uh, then you realize you came alone. Right. But no. So you've seen this with a few people. Yeah, it was that's a fine. very, very small group. It was very nice. I saw it at like, I think, 3 p.m. Yeah. So it was, you know, before the work crowd. It was pretty nice. Um they were all really good, really quiet. The one dude got up and got popcorn, but was like super discreet about it. So nice. I appreciate him. Yeah. So all in all, good viewing experience. Got to really be immersed in it. Uh, sound quality was good where I was at, just here at the, the Tinsel Town in yeah. Chico. So good experience. And uh, overall thoughts, I was immensely entertained. I was really pleased with the balance of suspense to gore, mm, which sure. I thought they used violence and gore and blood very sparingly in this movie which is excellent because uh, it is a really big cop-out for a lot of horror movies to go overboard with the gore to make up for being weak in general. So I feel like they really struck a nice balance there. Uh, I really liked a lot of the the overall ambiance of this movie. It was very dark and gloomy and foreboding, as you would imagine, Um, but it was really portrayed beautifully in the cinematography. I really loved the way this movie looked. Um, The score was really nice. And it wasn't the typical horror movie where, like, the score builds to a crescendo and then there's a jump scare, which would have been just ridiculously tropey and predictable. So I like this movie for the the unpredictability, kind of not going through all the boxes of a horror film and checking them. Um, there were definitely some that they checked, but overall, I was pretty impressed with this movie. I'm going to go ahead and say I really liked it. Okay. Uh, it's interesting you say that about the particularly like the horror movie jump scare moments. Cause I actually, a lot of them stuck out to me. 
Um, just one that comes to mind without really giving any details. There's a, there's a, what do you call it? Where it's like an elevator for food. Oh, they call a dumb it waiter. Dumb. What's it called? Dumb waiter. Really? Yeah. That's makes sense. Yeah. Right. Uh, there's like a couple of moments involving those that I was like, okay, I know exactly. Like I plugged my ears at points cause like I didn't want that big, like <laughs> boom. Yeah. Um, and I think there were a lot of those moments. I agree with you that like the cinematography was nice. It's like you're in the, you're in the, the Northeast here. Like it's beautiful that time of year. I think it's shot in like the fall. Yeah. Um, cause we got some Halloween stuff. Yep. Um, I, I had some more problems or I had more problems with like um, kind of character motivations. Like they set us up with this very like overly rational um, doctor. Um, and we get this scene somehow between him and his wife who have two children have never like talked about their belief in the afterlife or not. Yeah. At one point she literally asked him like, wait a minute. So you like, you think that when we die, that's it. And he's like, yes, it's kind of weird that they've gotten that far. Like, that, how has that not come up? That, that's like a sixth date conversation right you know so, I mean? and, and, and that's fine i was willing to go with that um but the problem is I, I realized as the movie unfolded is like that was his like his entire motivation was like no i don't believe in this other stuff this is it and it sort of leads him to make these really really stupid decisions that i think somebody who is presented as that logical would not make like there seems like basically like uh, you'd want to scream at the screen like don't do that don't go in there like no, you, there's no reason you would do this. And then there's moments where he starts like seeing things and like people in his family are also seeing things and they all bring it up to him and he like doesn't mention his stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's like very clear if he's a smart dude, it would like be like something's up here. Yeah. I mean, in the, the idea that we're just, we are supposed to believe he wouldn't say anything because he just doesn't believe in that. Yeah. It was tough for me. Yeah. It, it kind of struck me as that, that, you know, battle of emotion versus logic. Sure. And there was that struggle. That, I mean, that inner struggle. Yeah. At some point, though, like pretty early on, it became like evidence versus logic. The weirdest right. stuff starts happening to him first. Like he sees it all. Mm -hmm. And he's still just like, no, I'm just going to ignore that. Yeah. Um, like, I, I don't know. That was tough. Um, you were saying on the break um, that John Lithgow was great in this. I agree. Yeah. I think he had one of the better performances. Um, Jatay Lawrence as Ellie was fairly good mm -hmm. for what she was given. Um. Again, like I was sort of off put by some of the spoilers being ruined for me going yeah. in. Like I knew the general premise of this. I think if you've heard about Pet Cemetery ever, you kind of know the gist. Yeah. But if in case you don't, we won't say it here yet. Yeah. But the book came out in the mid eighties. The first right. movie came out in eighty nine. So you've kind of been spoiled to at least the premise if you're in touch with pop culture yeah. for the last twenty five right. years at all. So. Um yeah. Another thing that jumped out to me, just production wise, something that kind of took me out of it was like there was a, there was a really a lot of busy editing in this. Um, okay. There's a particular scene where um, Lewis is laying in bed and he's sort of reminiscing on some past things that I, again, won't get into, but like they do a lot of cutting between stuff that we basically were like, we just saw like 40 minutes ago. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of this, this emotional spiral for him. And I think it would have been so much more powerful if we just sat with him and watched him. Mm. But there's a lot of this like cut, 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 mm. like almost like it was leading us by the hand, telling us exactly how to feel. And um, a, a little bit to like a disrespectful point, like, I'm watching this movie like I'm I'm on board. Um, let the actors act and let the story tell itself, and mm. don't don't necessarily spoon feed it to me. Yeah, and a lot of that kind of editing stuff threw me off. Do you think that would be just an attempt at like overly visually narrating? Probably. And there's a lot of like there's a couple dream sequences in here. There's some flashback stuff, and and it just felt really busy to me. Like I think some of the best horror movies let you sit in the tension and well, let you sit in the horror. That's not just a horror thing. You're you're speaking to film in general. That's true. Um, I think what you want is something like more fine acting and like a higher film caliber because yeah. to sit and like like have a super close up of like someone's face instead of going through that process would be way more of like not necessarily art house but like a, a higher caliber of film and filmmaking 
um, that I don't think maybe this movie didn't quite fit into in general. Yeah, I guess I guess maybe I would extend that to like other stuff too because it's not just like close-ups of people acting. Um, like one of the main reasons John Wick is such a great action movie is that a lot of those fight scenes are actually choreographed and it's not these like like a Mission Impossible style quick cut mm-hmm. where like there's almost no actual fighting done. Like they do the choreography and they work out the art form they're trying to portray. Sure. Um, so whether it's a horror movie or an action movie or like a romance or anything with with deep emotion, it doesn't matter. Like you're you're putting these people on screen, you're asking them to do something or to give us a feeling. And you're letting them do that without trying to baby us through it. Yeah. Um, it definitely felt like they could have maybe toned that down a little bit. Sure. Like you can still have like a couple flashbacks, like leading you to somewhere, yeah. but not have it be so like hitting you over the head that it, it does, like you said, feel like yeah. insulting. That really didn't stick out to me though. Yeah, fair enough. So, I mean, I just didn't take note of it, but you're you're more into like the filmmaking and editing stuff than I am. I'm sure, just like, yeah. Is this good? Is yeah. this entertaining? I, I think you're selling yourself short there. I think I think like if you were to go watch it again or other movies we've discussed, like um, I just maybe notice stuff more because I'm looking for them or trying mm-hmm. to like actively see it. And I think once you've seen it, you it kind of sticks out to you too. And so I'm just like, I can ignore these things. Yeah, maybe I was just ignoring it, and that's why I didn't note it. Sure, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think this movie does a really good job of being creepy. Yes, like a lot of the stuff, like when it when it does try, it, like it doesn't strike me as a very scary movie, but but the creep factor is it's up there. You're hitting the nail on the head. Um, I was really really impressed with the suspense. Yeah. Uh, there were moments in this movie. I mean, I'm a seasoned like horror enthusiast. There were moments in this movie. I felt my heartbeat increasing. Like you get that, like you feel it in your neck, you feel your heart thumping. And I was like, just kind of felt myself tensing. And I was like, Oh, this is the good. Yeah. They're doing exactly what this movie's supposed to. And there wasn't always that super predictable, scary thing that happened. Sometimes like in this movie, they let you just be tense. That really threw me off. There was a That's couple. Fair. There was a couple scenes where you were super tense and then nothing happened. Yeah, and you're like, oh, what do I even do with this mm-hmm. right now? I'm just a ball of tension. Yeah, um, I'm trying to. I'm, I think I can think of a, a few of those moments at least. Um, yeah. I'm not gonna say specific, sure. but just like walking through the house. Yeah, and like noises type stuff. You well, know, you know, like so. I've seen a, a fair share of horror movies, and and a lot of the time, when even when they do commit to sort of the big build up, and then a silent moment and then a a loud noise um a lot of time those don't work but when they did happen in this movie there were a few that got me and the whole time i was like i know what's coming i know what's about to happen and i think it's a combination of for me at least like the content of what was going on Mm -hmm. um we get a lot of sort of flashback stuff with the wife's sister Mm -hmm. um and that stuff really gets to me i don't know why um and so a lot of those scares between like the vfx and the just practical effects and the sound stuff uh, really got to me. Yeah, it was very crunchy and visceral, yeah. and it yeah. really just it eats right to the core of you. So I I agree. I liked those as as really big pushers of the yeah. suspense. Yeah, part of this movie. I that was my favorite part of it was just the overall feeling of, yeah. of suspense. And I mean, there's a lot of movies that try and do that and don't do it well. Mm-hmm. And I think this one did it better than most. Yeah, yeah. I would double down with that. Like the, just the aesthetics of this in general. It's like it's it's very very creepy. Um, and again, like if you've seen it, like the, the subject matter, it's, that's a very creepy idea. Um, and I think it pulls it off relatively well. Some of it gets a bit, um, a bit overly done, I think towards the end, but, um, for the most part it worked. And, and aside from like really dumb motivations on the part of, uh, Lewis, Mm -hmm. 
I think most of it is pretty good. So like a minuscule amount of suspended disbelief is essential to enjoying this movie. Yeah, and not even about the stuff you would assume, right? Yeah. Like like I'm on board with all all the craziness that happens. Yeah. It's just like if you're going to set me up with this character who's like, no, this I'm rational and this is what I think, and but I will continue not to mention things to my entire family. Oh, you're feeling upset about our house? What if we throw a birthday party? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. No. Yeah. Get out of there yep. or don't and like just say what's happening like a human being would to his wife. You almost need that mechanism in this movie to keep the plot moving forward, though, because right. if he was yes. just like, um, we're leaving and then they move. Right. The movie's over. Yeah. But so, yeah. I think they could have gotten from A to B a bit more believably. You're right. Because like maybe have the wife be the one that's not, you know, not just because she's a female, but she's obviously not the one that's a doctor and like locked in and his whole character is built around logic have the person that's not built around logic be the motivator to stay in that house maybe it will in that vein like i think i think and i if i'm not mistaken i read this being the case in the movie the first movie um she uh obviously has this backstory of trauma um and i think they do a better job of sort of establishing that she's a little like she comes off to her husband as a little bit uh maniacal and a little bit unstable mm. Uh, which like emotionally unstable, fair. You learn what she goes through. It's like, yes. So when she does start saying stuff, it's kind of discredited because we already know like those characters are established mm -hmm. in more of a chronological order, which I think would have worked really well. Like if we knew that about her and we didn't get his perspective, I might be inclined just to view this movie as like at first, at least in like a mental health kind of way, like, oh, well, she's dealing with some mm. stuff. It would make sense that her husband isn't on board because he knows her history. Yeah. But instead, we're like given all of this, as far as we're concerned, black and white evidence that things are getting weird. Well, and there's even um, an exposition by her as to like the extent of her trauma that he's hearing for the first time. Oh, so, again, like what? How have you guys not talked about this? Yeah. The most traumatic experience from your childhood and you like haven't brought this up to your husband or the what you think of the afterlife. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. So those are things that they could have maybe added a bit more backstory. And that might be something you get more out of from the book. Certainly from the book. I would almost guarantee it. I need to reread it. Yeah. That said, I, I don't I can't give this movie a pass just for that reason. Like I'm sure no. the book is good, but like there's that's some lazy writing in my opinion. Yeah. And that that hurts it a lot for me. Motivate the, the reason characters do something in a movie is the reason I care about them well, at all. Because it's the reason the next scene happens. Right. That's why the movie keeps going. It's what so. stops me from being like, you deserve this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, those are definitely things that are huge negatives for you, and I feel like I can ignore them a sure. little bit easier just because, like, I don't know. Just because you want I'm, to. That's well, fine. You I can think, like the movie. No, I that's... think a big part of it is because I've, I'm used to watching really bad horror movies. There's a lot of them. You know what I mean? Where There's it's a just lot like, of bad every movie. But yeah, yeah, but particularly horror movies. Horror movies. Yeah. So I say we rate this thing. I think we've been pretty uh, thorough with our thoughts and the overall plot. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and say before I rate it, 100% I recommend seeing this. Uh, I enjoyed it quite thoroughly. I would recommend seeing it in the theater just for the, the sound and the overall experience. But if you have to wait till you rent it, do that. But I, I really liked it. Um, I'm going to give this movie an 8.5. That's very high. Yes. Okay. I really, really liked it. I think you should also probably watch it. If you're a horror fan, definitely watch it. Um, what it gave me the desire to do was to go rent the 1989 version. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go watch that movie probably within the next few days. And I'd like to compare the two because that is sort of a horror classic. Yeah. Should read the book too. Sure. Like, um, I think we both should probably. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually going to give it a give it a five. I have a, The creep factor is really cool. I really like the sound design, the cinematography. Um, but, but I just can't get behind a lot of what goes down. So did you enjoy it? 
Yeah. Yeah. You're pretty lukewarm on this That's one. That's a tough one, too, because it's like it scared me most of the time. So, like, I don't know if it enjoys the right word. I appreciated it, kind of. Yeah. Well, if you enjoyed being scared more, you would have rated it higher. No, I wouldn't have. No. Because um, I think the scary stuff that did work for me was effectively scary. Um, but overall, it didn't. Um, it's not, I can't think of a movie in which the horror factor or the scariness, even if it's done really well, is going to trump my overall view of the movie. Yeah. So if the plot's not there and the motivation's not yeah, there. Yeah, then I don't you can you can just throw me into a haunted house. Your and that, problem that's is you're scary. you're too grounded in reality. No, it's not. That's not it. It's not I I again like it's really holding you back, man. Show me like give me the first alien movie. Right. Uh, oh my if God. we can assume those those let's just I haven't seen those aliens, so I'm gonna say they're not real for now, but you never know. But in terms of my reality now, those aren't real. That's a terrifying movie. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I'm tethered to reality that I can't tethered, give me us again. That movie terrified me as well. Mm-hmm. Um and there's these like kind of supernatural concepts that I, in reality, like that's not real, but in the movie, when it's done right, very scary. I meant the reality of having a cohesive plot. Oh, I don't, you yeah. went way too macro, bro. Oh, that's I'm fair. just saying, you're just expecting this movie to be like a real movie with a real plot. You got me there. That makes sense. Sure. Yes. But yes, also, <laughs> calm down, sir. I was going to say, that you, was. You went so big. Well, that was your argument for Climax last week. You literally said, I think, if I'm not mistaken, like, I just expected this movie to be be a movie yeah and your argument is like to have a plot and yeah. have characters yeah i think it's a reasonable yeah. expectation so you could say the same thing yeah i was just being grounded in reality yeah. last week yeah i just i just think i want to be able to buy into what the characters are doing you mean you want a movie to be a movie yes sir call me crazy and set me on fire 8.5 for you five for me pet cemetery when we come back from the break we are going to cover our second and final beer and after that we will dive into spoilers so you are warned Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Same time, huh? Yeah, that was a harmonious occasion. Welcome to the danger zone, everybody. It's the part of the show where things get a little bit dangerous. Uh, I don't care what that means. You'll figure it out as we go. Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. So we're going to jump into our second beer. It's uh, it, I actually learned this recently. It's not... The first time this has ever been done by Sierra Nevada. They they put it out, I think the earliest I saw was November yeah. of 2018. Yeah. It's called Hop Solo. Yeah. They call it a showcase for crystal hops. Yeah. I love that you're just digging into that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's it's from Sierra Nevada right here in Chico. We could, if we put our arms together, probably throw a rock and hit the brewery. Yep. It's 5.5%. It's got about 7,000 ratings on Untapped, averaging about 3.64. Can I read the description? Absolutely. They're trying to sound so punk rock. I know. It's (laughs) hilarious. Go for it. Hop Solo, a showcase for crystal hops. Here's to the lone wolves, the misfits, the outsiders, those who prefer to stand on their own. Hop Solo IPA is brewed start to finish with only crystal hops, allowing their spicy, woodsy, one of a kind character to shine through. Yeah. Um, it, seriously, it feels like the start of like a Dodge Ram commercial. So what I was going to say is I, um, I first saw the Hop Solo beer in a Facebook ad. Um, and that's when I noticed they had been doing more marketing, at least online. Because um, I couldn't think of the last time I'd seen the brewery advertise new beers. Like I'd always just notice them. And maybe that's on me just not paying attention. But Also, we have a very, very limited microscope of their their territory and their their footprint in the in the united states because we live in our in their hometown like yeah right why would they need to advertise Summerfest? you're gonna go get hamburgers at the store that's true and then you're gonna see Summerfest. you'd be like oh Summerfest is out right that's a good point you know this is this town this county is sierra nevada territory so like they don't really need that's why i say they don't need to market at least around here sure 
they they probably market a lot more outside of you know California even. Oh yeah, I saw their beers. I was at who's I telling this? I think it was at a Patreon event. But uh, yeah, I saw Pale Ale in London. Yeah, so random too. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm positive that they would have more advertisements and and push seasonal beers a bit more in other areas. Yeah, definitely. Um, all that to say, I did finally see this, and I thought it was brand new. Um, but Hop Solo is something. Yeah, like I said, they've been doing since like November ish. Um, and, uh, that's what we got on that tangent, but yeah, it's a, tell me about how this come, this come in a six pack. What's so, going on here? So that's what I wanted to get at too. I, I was about a week late. They sold out of, of this batch. So I was only able to find it in their new, um, their new sampler pack. Okay. Sierra Nevada has also changed something here where instead of doing their every quarter, uh, sampler, they have different ones they've done over the past. They've actually now just boiled it down. They're going to have this sampler year round. That bums me out. Well, so, so hard. So the ones in this are Pale Ale, Tropical Torpedo, Ruthless Rye, which I'm not a huge fan of, um, Sidecar, the Orange IPA, the Hellas Tropic Lager, and Hop Solo. Um, now, I've not had the Hop Solo yet. I'm about to. And then the Hellas Tropic, I've also never had. Um, but I like three of the other beers. I'm going to just give you at least a couple reasons why this pisses me off. Okay. Okay. First reason, if you're getting to a year-round sampler, we don't need to have pale ale and tropical torpedo in it. I agree. I think that's a, a bad move, man. Bit of a cop-out. Bit of a cop-out. Sure. I mean, this tells me that they are playing to the tourists, probably, people that come to Chico and want to get a sampler and that have never had pale ale before. You might call that marketing yeah. in a roundabout kind well, of way. <laughs> well, it's 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 more of a, a branding decision, really. Yeah. Well, makes, I mean, yeah. But, I mean, marketing would be like, how do they promote this in the you can know. i jump into that point real quick and just kind of flip it because if you're a, if you are a tourist and you come into town and you're being sold this sampler pack i would at least want to have the assurance that i would like at least a couple beers in it i've talked to people that work at sierra nevada and i'm only speaking from my perspective okay that sure. pisses me off personally right, sure johnny summers co-host of this podcast Wait, who are you yeah, yeah because i'm max minardi and i hate sierra nevada no <laughs> Just kidding. Checkmate. I was just trying to get you to spit out beer. Yep. No, man. Like from my perspective, I'd like to see something other than those two beers because I drink them all the time anyway. So yeah, that's a good asterisk. I drink these all the time. Yeah, sure. But one of the heaviest arguments for that is that people will branch out and grab this because it has things that they can rely on. And yep. that is essentially good branding. That's smart. But for me, it bums me out. Second reason this bums me out. In their winter mix pack, the yeah. snow pack, yep. they do their coffee stout. And oh, I love the coffee stout. I'm not going to get that anymore because this is the only mix pack we get. Yep. Fuck that. I'm bummed. I'm either that or start making that seasonally I bet in you a they six will. pack. Well, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they start to like bring in some of the ones that used to be in the in the variety packs. Yeah, I would hope so because you know you had the tumbler in the fall variety pack. Mm -hmm. Really big favorite of mine as okay. well. But I really, really, really like that coffee stout. Maybe my favorite just year-round that they've ever done because their stout, their red label six-pack of stout. West Coast stout. is so good. Uh, and they basically just add delicious coffee to that. And I don't, I'm don't. i assuming because it tastes very similar but with just this big coffee kick. And I love that beer. Every fall and winter, I buy those, I snatch those up just for the, the coffee stout. Sure. So that's going to bum me out. But it's fair. There's some good beers. I'm interested to try the lager in the mix pack. Yeah. I like a good lager and that Hellas lager. I think that's like a Vienna style Mexican lager, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, we can find out. But um, no, I think I think in general, like um, 
in terms in terms of getting people to try new beers under the guise of like having the stability of two they're familiar with two to three um i think that's a good move i don't mind it like yeah like i go through pale ale and tropical torpedo pretty regularly yeah like i'm not, I'm not really going to complain if i have an extra four or five of them yeah um, well and this beer's so this 12 pack so low risk totally you know it's six it's 12 beers you get six varietals you get two of each yeah Oh, I don't like this beer, right, like, but I only have one more. Give it to a friend. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Or just shut up and drink it. Yeah, just drink it. Um, I do think the the point you're making about if if those other beers don't come back, that sucks. Because yeah. the coffee stout in particular for me is fantastic. Same. I know. No, yeah. We both love that beer. Yeah. Um, but let's get into this. The the Hop Solo. Have you tasted it yet? I have. Uh, initial thoughts? This is very nice. Yeah. It's very nice. It's very thin. Yeah. Very drinkable. Uh, not as hoppy as I was expecting. Yeah, a little bit more mellow and rounded. Yeah. There is some of that, uh, as they said, spicy, woodsy taste. I was going to say piney is what came to mind. Um, but yeah, it's very, very light. Again, 5.5%, so so it's not going to knock you down or anything. And I think it's a great beer for this time of year, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and Sierra Nevada loves the sea hops. They love Sure. The, yeah. I, I like this beer quite a bit, though. It's It's really mellow. Yeah. It's really easy to drink. I was expecting a lot bigger beer. Yeah, I think, um, and I'm not sure exactly how you mean mellow, but what I was tasting was definitely mellow in terms of um, mouthfeel and sort of just overall heat. Yeah. But I think it's still got some nice complexity going around. And I think there's there's some notes of of that woodsiness or pininess and, and still like a really um, traditional kind of hot bitter yeah. taste going on. If you're familiar with Sierra Nevada's lineup, for me, tell me if I'm correct here. I'm saying this lands somewhere between a tropical torpedo and a regular torpedo. Yeah, and like bitterness and bitiness. I would I would say the biggest difference that I noticed between this and a or between that comparison is that the torpedo is a lot maltier. Yes, like it's a real heavy beer, which which I really love about torpedo. But um, I might throw this somewhere between a tropical torpedo and a pale ale. Okay, that makes um, sense too, though. Yeah, like I, especially with the pale ale, it's got that woodsiness to it. Mm-hmm. Um, that is also very enjoyable. But pale ale is also very heavy, whereas tropical torpedo is pretty light. Yeah. Um, and I think this is sort of a best of both worlds situation. Yeah, I think this is a really good beer to have in a mix pack year round. Totally. Yeah, I wanted to get us a, a six pack, but like I said, they'd sold out. And I think they, the, the guy at the gift shop said, "Oh yeah, just so you know, like because I called and asked about specifically the hop solo, and then I went in person. She said we're getting more tomorrow. Of course. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I'll maybe come back, but we're doing doing this thing. So tonight. they're doing six packs of this year round. I don't know if that's true. Or they they're doing six packs at the gift shop for now. For now. Yeah, Man. I don't know if it's still going to stick around, but but um. You know, we'll see. Well, they had them the other day, so they might have them tomorrow. I'm going to jot something you just made me think of down for our Hot and Bothered segment uh, a little bit later. But do you want to rate Hop Solo for now? Yeah, I'm going to have one more sip. Okay, I am ready to rate it. Um, I'm a big fan. I think this is really good. I wish it was in a can. I've been on a can kick lately. Um, kick, kick in the can. You kick in the say. can? Um, so I don't know. I've been a little bit off on bottles. I don't know why. I think it's because... They are harder to recycle and yep. worth less money. And, and I just took in my recycling. That's yep. probably all it is. And beers from cans taste better. Do they? Yep. I don't know. They feel like they feel better. There's only a certain amount of things that can make a beer have off flavors. It's light, oh, sure. you know, yep. light oxygen. heat, and oxygen. Mm-hmm. You know, So you're eliminating one of those, and that's a huge factor. Yeah. Even in the dark brown bottles, you're going to yeah. get light through there. Yeah. So with a can, you're eliminating that. It's like the purest representation if it's kept at temperature yeah, right. of the beer that you're meant to be consuming. So it's not just because the recycling and you're cheap. Yeah. It's because you have an advanced palate yeah. that is goddamn right, professional. Thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to give it an eight. I think it's a really good beer. I would super grab this again. I would have grabbed a six pack today just on the, on, on the hunch that it would be really good. I would 100% buy this over pale ale. 
Oh, yeah, me too. Yep. I think, well, I think depending on my mood, I might still go torpedo. I know you're not a you're not a big fan of torpedo, but I, I love it. But this is you do like tropical torpedo, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Um, this would be a close contender for that. If I saw a six pack of tropical and hop solo, I'd 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 switch it up. Especially if we can get this at Chico slash Butte County pricing, which on Sierra Nevada, as you know, is the business. Yeah, dude. So I am gonna give this beer a seven six. All right. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, it's not surprising in any way, but it is a beer that I will grab and drink when I'm watching some UFC fights and eating chips and salsa. It's a good way I to think go. That's the perfect time to drink this beer for me. Probably not for you. No, not my uh, scene. I, I drink... like chips and salsa. All right. So we well, could have some chips and salsa. You know, you can play with like the dogs that are at the fights. You don't have to watch them. What do you wear? Where? I go over to my buddy's house. And oh, he's, he's got, got dogs. dogs. I thought like maybe you meant like at the real fights. Like, do they have dog fights also? Like, <laughs> no. I don't know what kind of you no. know. <laughs> I kid. Fresh Hop Cinema does not endorse dog fighting no. in any way, shape, or form. That is a terrible thing. If you like think dog that... fighting, get, this isn't a podcast for no. you. No. Take your, 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 uh, unless we're talking about like ways. the puppy bull. I have heard of that. It's, I, I have seen I've tuned into that before. It's pretty cool. Um, okay. 7.6 for you. Eight for me. That's Hop Solo by Sierra Nevada. Currently, uh, you should be able to get it in six packs at the gift shop. So yeah, go check it out. By or, the time this is broadcast, yeah, or get the sampler, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's up to you, man. Um, let's move right along back into Pet Cemetery. Let's do it. We're going to enter spoiler territory. So one final warning. If you haven't seen the 2019 Pet Cemetery, we're going to spoil some stuff. And I reckon we're going to spoil uh, some pretty big stuff because that's some of my main things I want to talk about. All right. Spoil away. Okay. We're going to talk now as if we had just left the theater and we are holding pinkies. Sure. Wiping popcorn off of each other's faces. I love it. And discussing this movie. So I just wanted to shout real quick. I did read this. Um. The difference between the shout. first movie, I'm going to yell it no. from a mountain. Uh, first movie and this movie, and and coincidentally, the book and the first movie were the same in this regard. Wait, what? It makes sense. <laughs> Listen back. If So if you've seen this movie, you know that Ellie, the daughter, gets hit by a truck and dies. Mm-hmm. And then she is the one that comes back to life. In the book and the original movie, it's actually the three-year-old kid named Gage who gets hit by the truck and dies. Okay. And I found an interview with one of the directors, uh, Dennis Widmeyer. He had an interview with Entertainment Weekly, and they were asking about why they chose to make that specific change in resurrection, so to speak. And his main reason was that, like, at the time, this was, like, right around Child's Play, which is, uh, if you don't know, the movie with Chucky, the doll that is possessed by a demonic spirit and comes Mm -hmm. back and murders people. Um, And the first movie basically was that it's a three-year-old kid after being buried, being possessed by a demonic spirit, and with like a bloodlust, mm-hmm. and they just thought it would be a little bit less um, original if they did it that way. And they wanted, they thought that like, to some extent, a three-year-old kid running around with a knife is like, if I were in the theater, I'd be like, just punt that kid, just like, I could just kick him. And and then like to some like a seven-year-old girl's a little bit faster, a bigger than a three-year-old. Um, seven-year-old could crawl up you like a spider monkey. Yeah, yep. she and she moves around in this movie. Yep. Um, Anyways, yeah, and he talked about that, and it's a pretty good article, and maybe I'll, you know, on our website, I'll link some show notes for that. But you should tweet that article. Yeah, okay, I'll do that. Make a note. We always like to tweet articles that we reference in this show because um, we're profesh. Yeah, but anyways, so like, I don't know. I think uh, the this again back to like the creepy factor of this movie working. Um, there is something inherently creepy about a seven-year-old girl being possessed, standing in sort of like a ballet dress in a doorway, a dirty, a dirty muddy, ballet dress, like uh, and like kind of just like silhouetted and be like, "Hey, daddy, I'm back." It's like, well, and the shift in her her demeanor and her her way of speaking and yeah, her tone, yeah, 
was so palpable and just such a vast contrast to who she was before. Yeah. Yeah. She really played off being undead super well. I guess I don't understand too, like the motivation. Cause it, towards the end, obviously you're like, Oh, well this is clearly not her. But at first she comes back and she's like kind of confused. She's like, I'm not dead. What's happening. Um, and she's almost like trying to settle back into her daughter role. But yeah. then that switch is flipped and she's like, I'm going to murder you. And I don't know, like was she just like faking it at first or like, did she realize, Oh, I am not Ellie. I'm a demon. I think it, it kind of built in the movie because she realized that people were treating her differently and like, she wasn't the same. Sure. And it was like, mommy doesn't want me around. I don't want mommy around. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Also, this movie reminded me of that meme that's gone around that, like, the word daddy's been so fucked up by society. Like, if I ever have a daughter, she's going to call me homie. Yeah. Like, when she's undead and she's like, daddy. Yeah. That's that's (laughs) creepy, dude. Yeah. Uh, Internet's weird, man. Yeah. Bastardizes a lot of of things, it seems. Yeah. But it makes sense, though. Um, what do you want to get into in terms of spoiler territory here? I mean, is there really a, I mean, there's, there's a lot to spoil, but it's not like, I know there's people that listen that don't watch movies. So I guess for those people, this pet cemetery, there's like a wall beyond it. If you bury something dead there, it comes back to life. And John Lithgow shows our main character, the doctor, logical dad, Lewis, right? right. Uh, cause the whole, the impetus, sure. the third impetus word? Yeah. yes, yes. I love when I use the right fucking word, um, of this whole movie is when Ellie's cat dies. Church and the neighbor Judd really wants to see her not bummed out. I'm sorry, I just said church like I was agreeing with you. Like church, you know, I, it works on all the fucking yeah, levels. It's so a cat's name. Just keep doing it, please. Whenever I say things you agree with, so the whole idea is that Judd's gonna try and keep this little girl from being sad. So he shows Lewis, the dad, that you can like crawl over this giant wall, which is called a deadfall, which yep. is dope, mm-hmm. uh, in the pet cemetery and get up to this high ledge through a swamp. Yeah, there's a whole backstory. It there. was called a. You saw it on a map at one point. It was yeah. called like uh, like boggy swamp. No, it was called it was called like swiggy like, swamp. Like God's gone swamp or like no gods like like um oh, cool God's, forsaken swamp. Or like something. God, yeah, like yeah, something God's swamp. No kidding. Yep, I like that. I want to look that up. So he takes Judd, the neighbor played by John Lithgow, takes Lewis to this spot. They bury the cat. Cat comes back. Yeah. Cat looks all fucked up. Like I think oh. you're going too deep here. Just a little. Well, you the cat dies, comes back to life yeah. because it was buried. But and then the cat's obviously not the same. Right. And then and then the daughter gets hit and he's like, I'll bury her there. And yep. then that's why she comes back to life. That's the gist of it. Yeah. Uh and then I really like the way they tied it all together with a bow that like the whole family dies. Yeah. And then like the ends like eventually Ellie kills the the mom first. And then she drags her back to the, the pet cemetery and buries her. Yeah. And the next scene they're like together. Yeah. And like hunting the dad through the house and shit. Um or not through the house. No. Where were they? Well, so were so they outside? Yeah, they were in the cemetery. She she basically oh, tries where it was. to kill the mom and then the dad is like, I gotta put an end to this. And he goes and like tries to stab her with one of those like morphine needles. Yeah. And right when he's about to do it, he gets stabbed by the mom. And we're like, Oh, it's both of them. And then they drag him and bury him, and then it comes back and the kid's in the car and it's like beep beep, unlock. We're all going to be a big, dead, happy family. Yeah. Um, that is another thing that I wanted to touch on from the originals. Let's uh, touch on that. From the book, I suppose. Um, is that in the book, this all kind of goes down where um, I think it's so, so Gage at this point, because it's the boy in the book. He goes over to Judd's house, John Lithgow's character in, in the movie, and basically murders Judd, then hangs the mother from the rafters. Uh, and then um, Lewis goes over there. And it's like, this is clearly too much. Kills Gage with the uh, 
you know, the, the needle again. The needle. That's a consistent thing. Sets the house on fire and carries the mom's body. At this point, he's so stricken by grief, like his whole family's falling apart. He's like, okay, just one more time. I'm going to try to bury one more person, and it's going to go fine. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? This time. And then, obviously, it does not go super well. Yeah. And then she comes back, and, and she kills him, probably. That's what it's presumed. He, like, tries to bring her back, and she's like, ha I'm fine, and then grabs a knife, and then it cuts to black, I think. So with this one, I like the way it ends because it kind of leaves you hanging for the sequel. Like, is this going to be like a pet cemetery zombie apocalypse? Because you oh. have this family like running around killing people and then bringing them back. Like, are they going to stop at just their family and go be an undead family in the woods? It seemed like or it just had this vibe like the beginning of like 28 days I later. kind of give you that vibe. Where huh? it's like. Are they about to turn the whole town? I, I there's really, a crossover yeah. episode with the clown from It fighting an undead army. That was a cool kind of shout out. She was the mom was stuck in traffic, and and I was for a second I didn't realize there's a sign that says like Dairy D E R R Y twenty miles, and I was like, where have I heard that? And then I realized it was from It, and I was totally. like, oh, that's that's kind of cool. Was like, that a fun Easter egg? Yeah, I got I, a kick out of it. I hope like I don't think anything's gonna come of it. Like I I don't think I'd want a sequel to this movie necessarily. No. Um, cause I think it would just kind of unravel and be like zombies and I, I don't know. Yeah. A lot um, of Stephen King's books and movies and stuff are set in Maine. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a, it's an old area of America. Like there's a lot of like ghost stories that come out of the East coast and it's pretty cool. It's a pretty effective, creepy setting. Yeah. So did you like the way this movie ended? No, no, not really. Right. Um, I guess that is sort of the one thing that surprised me. I guess I didn't, I wasn't really paying enough attention to think, well, maybe the kid went to bury the mom. So when he got stabbed, I was like, oh, that's a surprise. Um, I don't like the fact that they probably killed that kid. That I uh, just like kid murdering children kind of bothers me. But the uh, one kid already got murdered. Uh, the younger kid. She got hit by a truck. That's like, true. It was an accident. Yeah, but and the little kid was like really little. Yeah, he's three. Yeah. Um, and like the like I just don't like seeing a kid like pressed up against the glass being like, My family, and then like beep beep, we're gonna sorry, you're dead. Like, yeah, it's that's gross and creepy. But so no, I didn't like that, but that's fair. Um, I also got really strong vibes that John Lithgow's character had not only tried to probably bury his dog, but probably buried his wife there too. Um, I was just feeling that from the get. I was like, you, I feel like you've got some untold secrets with your yeah. dead wife that you probably tried to turn her. Yeah. Um, because he was talking in the movie about like killing his dog and then killing his dog again, or like his, his dad, dad yeah. had to kill the dog twice. Um, the other stuff that like kind of weighed really heavily is sort of the background mythology exposition that happens. Like when John Lithgow goes onto that, um, sort of tangent about like the, the natives and, and what they were scared about and the, the woods are owned by something else. And like, that was a bit heavy handed for me. And like, by the end I was like, okay, look, I get it. Like you don't have to explain all of it. Just, yeah. Unless we're going to see one of these giant half deer, half men kind of did. Right. Kind of. But like, I just would like to see him like rip somebody's arms off or something. Yeah. I, I think actually that would have probably bothered me. I, I like the fact that this was all relatively maintained in, yeah. in the family. Like it was yeah. about the family horror dynamics and they stuck to that, which was, which was smart. I think but maybe the sequel, they like awaken the army in the forest or something. You can have that be your flick. There back. was a pet cemetery two film. Oh really? Yep. I didn't know that. Yeah. It came out a few years after the one in 89. So huh. you never know, man. Have you seen that one? No, no. Right. Was there, there wasn't a follow up book though, for sure. No, was definitely not. Okay. Well, no, I don't know about definitely, but I've definitely never heard of it. All right. Um, anyways. All right. Well, I think I'm about there on Pet Cemetery. You got anything else? No, I think that's that's fine. All right. Well, let's put this to bed, sure. and then when it wakes up, we'll kill it and uh, we'll put it to bed again. One final. That was nice. One final note there is if you had, if you do see Pet Cemetery, you drink either of our beers, reach out to us uh, and let us know what you think. Maybe we we got one of these beers wrong. We got the movie wrong. Um, and Maybe. you can reach out to us yeah. via email or via our website, which leads me to a shout out. 
a little bit of listener feedback. A friend of the show, Nick Land, reached out to us via email, via our website, and gave us a shout-out about the website. So, Nick, thanks for that. He may not be good at tagging us in Instagram stories, but he's fucking great at sending emails. Nick Land. Fair enough. Uh, If you guys do check out the website, let us know what you think. If you want to see some stuff up there um, that is not, I'd like to know, because it's kind of our first run at it, and if if we miss something, uh, hit us up. But we are also going to move into Hot and Bothered. Oh, um, shit. Which is, again, if you're a new listener, it's just it's our shorthand way of saying a segment about where we talk about what's got us hot and excited or bothered and not so excited that's gone on in the past week that we haven't seen each yeah, other. Yeah, this is essentially like the part of the podcast where it just becomes a podcast where we hang out. And yeah. Beer. So I want to start off. Um, I saw I was out eating. Uh, speaking of Nick Land, I suppose at Burgers and Brew here in Chico. Did you see Nick Land there? Yeah. All right. Yeah. He uh, he poured me a beer. Um and I was sitting outside on the patio with my fiance eating my food. Shout out G Money. And I looked inside because Gianna said, Hey, I think she I think she brought her own. And I was like, What are you talking about? And there was this girl, she was probably like like 17, 18, sitting across from what looked to be like maybe her grandma. Um, and she had a little clutch in her in her lap and she pulled out, I'm not kidding, a full size bottle of ranch and just had it. And was like putting it all over her food. I respect and that. And just put it back in. And I was like, man, like, I don't know what's happened in your past. Like if people don't give you as much ranch as you want or you're worried you maybe you don't like the ranch or whatever it is. But like there was not a lot of room in that clutch. And she was like, I'm taking the room to bring this ranch because I need this. She knows what she's about. And I think that's pretty dope. I respect the and shit out of that. And super weird, but whatever. That's not weird, dude. I take my own condiments to places all the time. Uh, just, just, I want to say this just as a logical equivalence here, just because you do it does not make it not weird. That's, that's very weird. That's a really good point. Actually. I <laughs> uh, like, guess. yeah, like, yeah, I don't know. I take my own hot sauce with me pretty much everywhere I go. How big is the bottle? Uh, it depends in my work van. I have one that's no. like the full that that's nobody um, knows what you're saying, but uh, the you full just, that, what size is that? The, I don't know. It looks it's like, like the bowling tap- ball. It's not the tapatio, that, but I get the, the Victoria. Yeah, or Valentina. I'm Valentina. sorry, but it's like this, but like that. It's like a thirty-two it's ounce like a liter. Is what you're describing. It's like a liter. That's insane. Something like that. Yeah, I, that's in my work truck all the time. But then usually, like if I'll go to a Mexican restaurant, um, most of the legit ones have like all the hot sauces I like. Sure. Some don't, and I know that, so I'll bring a bottle of Cholula because I like certain sauces with certain foods. Okay. Also, I like this brand called El Yucateco. They make a, a smoked, um, really good smoked hot sauce that I take to certain places to put on fish tacos. All right. So I know exactly where this girl's coming from because ranch is very specific. Yeah. If you get an off brand of ranch, have you ever had Kraft ranch? Uh, I mean, maybe it's, I don't care. Like I doesn't, I I'm never today. I ordered breakfast at in Reno. Okay. And I specifically asked for my breakfast to come without sausage. And it wasn't like a side of sausage. It was gonna be mixed in. Mm -hmm. As you know, my friend, I don't eat sausage. Yeah. And I said, Oh, I see that it comes with sausage. Can I please, no sausage for me, please. Yeah. She said, okay. And then it came with sausage. And uh, I just, you know, I just picked it out and I just ate it. Yeah. Uh, not the sausage, the rest of it. <laughs> you only um, ate the sausage. Right. I'm like, all right, I'm going for all it. All right. No, but like, I, I'm not the person that brings hot sauce because like, I just don't care enough. Like, I'll just, whatever, I'll put it to the side. I'll just eat the food. Mm. I don't care. If I, yeah. No, because a lot of places I go, like sometimes the only, like breakfast places are a great example. Usually the only hot sauce they have is Tabasco. Yep. My, yep. I hate Tabasco. That's fucking unacceptable. That's, that's what my breakfast came with and I just ate it. Whatever. Oh no. I'd yeah. be like, no, look, I've got my own. Right. I guess that's the upside. Yeah. I, I will steal, not steal because I buy things there. Certain like gas stations like AMPM have um, Tapatio packets. Sure. 
it's real easy to throw a few of those in your pocket and have a much better breakfast experience. Yeah, there you go. So uh, that is a great thing to see, though. I love the chick's enthusiasm about the ranch. And yeah. that's such a white girl thing to have ranch in your purse. I regret saying that she, I didn't say that she was white, and I'm mad that she was. <laughs> she is very, yeah. Like, it's just, the thing. yeah, yeah. There's like videos on the internet, on Instagram of chicks like chasing shots with ranch. Ugh. Have you seen this? Mm-mm. It's like vodka ranch. I follow uh, photographers, painters, musicians. I don't know who you're following on Instagram. I think but... our grams look a little bit different. Yeah, man. I think so too, man. <laughs> uh, you should follow the page dr- Drunk People Doing Things. No. It's it's a fun time. It's not for me. Lots I of, already know it. Lots of head trauma. Yeah. It's good times. Sure. I like your hot though. That was your hot, or was that your bother? It was. It was. It was mostly my hot. But okay, it bothers me a little bit. I think you should try taking a condiment somewhere with you. I think it could build confidence. Where am I going to put it? Like at put least she had, a, she had a purse. I'm not doing that. Do you have a fanny pack? Uh, yeah, I put mine in my fanny pack. I just don't wear it. I wear it for hikes. Oh, hike on down to the breakfast diner. I don't care. Like that's my whole point. I don't care enough. It doesn't. I don't care. I'm just saying. Um, I would have sent that breakfast back. Mm-hmm. So like. I'm trying to work. A lot on of your, people would have trying to work on your confrontation game, and I think that starts with confidence. And I think bringing a bottle of hot sauce with you oh. would be like, just you know, you swing it out on the table and you say, "Here's my hot sauce." You've got a thesis there. So, just saying. What about you? My hot this week is actually you. I heard you say that before we started, and you wouldn't tell me what it was. So I'm yeah. very curious to know. Uh, how am I your hot? Uh, yeah, man, you're my hot. I've never appreciated you more, and all the hard work you do on this show. Uh, than when I had to do a speaking engagement at a beer pairing, and I had to do all my own notes. Ah, yeah. Uh, if you don't know, which I don't know why you would, be really fucking creepy if you did. Uh, Max does all of the the formatting of our notes and our beers, and lays it out. And it's really great. He's so big on formatting. I love formatting. Um, it's I'm so spoiled rotten that he. Are you videoing this? Well, I just wanted to have. I mean, it seems topical. <laughs> like everybody could appreciate the notes if I had. So look, oh, on, yes. look on our Instagram in, a, yes. in you know in a day. Yeah, it's amazing the notes he does and. I show up to the recording studio every week and I have this just amazing note layout with everything I need and it's beautiful. And I had to do a beer pairing dinner and basically generate my own notes and my own tasting notes in my own format. And it was terrible. It looked like a child mm-hmm. that was illiterate sure. tried to write it <laughs> with their left hand. So um, I got through it and it was great. Mm-hmm. And they asked me to do the beer pairing dinner going forward. So that's really cool. Um, and that in itself is part of my hot because it was an amazing experience. Fair. But, um, yeah, I was really never more appreciative of the way that you simplify the notes and they're just so clear and concise and they make both of our lives so much easier recording the podcast. So my hot this week is Max and all his preparedness and his formatting and his beautiful notes. I think we've gotten it down pretty good. Like we've been doing notes. I think the first episode was like episode like 36 or eight or something like that. Like it was right when we started, when we did um, a ghost story, I remember thinking like I had a lot of thoughts on that particular episode and it'd be cool to have them written down on paper. So I wasn't like constantly turning my head like this and like trying to come back to the mic. Yeah. Um, and we've been doing, yeah. So like almost a hundred episodes and I think the format is, is just about right at this point. Yeah. Except when I only print it on one side of the paper, you just realized that you fucked up. Yeah. I had a right bad now. typo today. Oh but. my God. I have to take everything I just said back. Sure. Uh, no. that said, I did give you the double-sided paper. Exactly. So. See, that's what I'm talking about. Yep. This guy's a giver. Got to look out for you. So if you ever need any notes formatted and you can pay by the hour, hit up Max Minardi. Deal. Um, At Max Minardi Music on all social media. (laughs) I wanted to ask you about why Summerfest is released early in Butte County. Oh, yeah. We had to talk about that. Yeah. Um, So basically, 
it's released this early because we're the first stop of distribution. Oh, that makes sense. So everywhere outside of Butte County, Sierra Nevada is actually handled by independent craft beer distribu- distributors. So it's handled by like Mark Stein outside of Butte County. So, you know, you go a little bit south and it's headed by handled by like a Budweiser distributor. So the process is that it gets released in where it's self-distributed right. first. So as soon as, as Summerfest and any season is hot off the press, it gets dumped in Chico. Sure. And then the loads go all the way to wherever the warehouses are of the distributors. And then from the distributors, it goes to all the chain stores. And then you extrapolate that over the whole United States. It There's a huge time delay. Right. Interesting. So basically, I was told, you know, you get it this early because you live in Chico. You should be lucky. Yeah, fair. And I'm like, that makes way too much sense. Yeah, no complaints. They might not get this beer in Oklahoma until the middle of summer. Yeah, I was going to say it's like being in the Midwest, but like for movie releases. Totally. Like they tend to come out only in LA and like New York and then kind of respectively move up and down the coast. Yeah. And then like eventually they'll get to like... North Dakota. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, it's it's still really seems silly just from like looking in. Like, Summerfest just came yeah, out, and it's, right. we're like two months away from summer. Right. But that's that's kind of why. Because sure. by the time summer hits 100%, you want to have it close to everywhere at that time. So, yeah. it just makes sense, man. It's all about speed of distribution. Well, thank you for clarifying. Yeah. I had one bothered this week that I'd like to touch on. Okay. And it's the fact that I realized that I don't like Letter Kenny anymore. Ooh. Yeah. Um, Letter Kenny is a show that I was wild about uh, several weeks ago. Turned me on. Turned a lot of people onto it. Um, and it's not that I don't like it as a whole. It's just I don't want to watch any more of it. How far did you get? About two seasons. Fuck off. So here's the reason. Um, and I think you will have a hard time refuting this. It's that any time that I've talked to anybody who's watched Letter Kenny, yourself included, the jokes that keep coming up in casual conversation are jokes that are established basically in the first season. Correct. There was nothing new that I've seen that came from that show in, in about a season and a half. After that. I'm like halfway into season no, three. No, it was just solid character development, and then they just keep making the same jokes. And those jokes got so old to me. Um, some I, of them. I want some more stuff, and it just doesn't have any more quantity. Or uh, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, quality. I guess. Um, I guess I was maybe going for content. Like they have no new jokes to provide, and I think there's like seven seasons of it. Is that right? Something like that. Um, and just too many. Like, I think the the purest way of watching that show is just the first season, and then just cutting it off. Because okay. um, every really good joke, and there are great jokes in that show, are all in the first season, and then they just they just kind of keep wearing you down with the same ones. And and I was losing interest. Like Gianna and I put it on again. We gave it a, a third try. The second time we were like, eh, maybe not. Tonight. Maybe it's an off night. And we tried it again, and just we watched like two episodes, and like not even once did we laugh out loud. And I was like, I don't want to be in this world that I don't find this funny. So I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna just compartmentalize it and have the first season stand on its own. As an amazing comedy show. Well, Max is wrong. Yeah. Uh, what, no, what, I, I what's wrong? I liked all of it. What, what? Why was what I said wrong though? No, because it's good and like it's all good. Like I'm ready for the new season to come out. Like, you, so you're I not in, saying that I, what I'm saying is incorrect. You're saying you disagree. Yes. Okay. So you're wrong. Well, <laughs> at this point, I'm fucking with Max. your wife. Is a lucky lady. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, I I would say I agree for the most part. But it's like, uh, you know, that's what she said was established very early. Sure. And there was not much more humor after that, but it's just different scenarios for the same jokes. Oh, I disagree on that uh, one. There's humor is very subjective. Well, sure. But I would and say also you haven't seen the whole series, so you can only disagree two seasons. Well, that's worth. that's true. But I thought you were saying you agree that there isn't a whole lot new that is introduced. Comedy wise, uh, yes and no. I think it's just different scenarios. I think it's these characters living their lives and. 
going through different situations and it's it's just different. I mean, it's it's good though. I like all the seasons so far. Well, like with respect to the office reference, I, I would say that while the that's what she said moment remains and keeps getting sort of recapitulated throughout the, I don't know, it comes up in season one, so the next nine seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, they also introduce new jokes and more importantly, new characters to sort of deliver those jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe there are some new sort of central characters to Letter Kenny, but mm-hmm. I don't, are there some like oh, yeah. main ones on the levels of like the main characters? Oh yeah. Cool. Um, then I think it could have potential to like even sort of redo those jokes in a different way that could be original. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least in the first, uh, up to about halfway through season three, it was just kind of the same jokes by the same people with like tiny, tiny variances. And it was, I just was not into it. Yeah. It's one of those ones. It's really better with, uh, like two or three beers. In yeah. There. Yeah. It makes sense. So yeah, it's not for everyone though. And I, I would totally get it if you just wanted to watch the first season. Right, but it, but if you are listening and you're like, what is Letterkenny? It's a show on Hulu. It's a Canadian comedy. Uh, check it out. Write us in with your thoughts because uh, maybe you'll like it. Maybe you'll hate it. Uh, we'd like to know either way. Yeah. Which I feel like is a good transition into one more time, Johnny, where people can find us if they want to get a hold of us. Yeah, man. You can find us at all the social medias, at Fresh Hop Cinema, and the Facebooks, the Instagrams, and the Twitters. Sure. And at the Untapped yep. and the Letterboxes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and on our website, freshhopcinema.com. Max made it. Go love it. You can support our show for as little as a dollar per episode via Patreon. We do fun events. We have bonus content um, and all sorts of fun stuff. So please check that out. If you have a minute, it takes like two minutes to sign up or maybe three. I can't remember. Four and a half. Sure. Uh, and again, if you're listening on something that you can take a screenshot of, do that and post it on your Instagram or Facebook. Tag us. We'll, we'll share it with our friends. You'll share it with yours. It lets your friends know about our podcast, and, and we meet more people that way. That's right. Help yeah. us grow. We appreciate the love. We appreciate the advertisement. It really does help more people learn about this podcast, and gosh darn it, we enjoy doing it, and we think your friends might too. So keep those stories coming, and we uh, will appreciate you. Get involved in the conversation. If you've had any of these beers, seen any of the movies, or just want to talk trash about any of the things we just said, love it. email us, fhccast at gmail.com. Until next week. I'm Johnny Summers. I'm Max Minardi. And we will see you later. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.